Well, hey, everybody, welcome to another episode. And we're going to talk about something that seems to confuse a lot of people. We're going to try to keep it short, simple, sweet, to the point, and make it easy to understand. And that is dealing with box fill calculation and all the things that are evolving box fill through the years and how we've made changes. Now, remember, we're going to do this based on the 2017 code, not the 2020 code which really only has one change, and it has to do with the equipment ground conductors. Once you get above four, you have to add an additional quarter uh, cubic inch volume allowance per conductor over four. But we're not going to talk about, we'll save that for a different episode. We're going to talk box fill basics today on Electrician Live. So buckle up and let's get started. You're listening to Electrician Live. With your host, Paul Abernathy. Well, hello, everybody. Thanks for coming to the show. Again, this is a show that we're going to try to keep as short as possible, but you all know that I'm extremely long-winded, and I will do my best to keep it where it can be enjoyable. Uh, and I found that sweet spot is anywhere between 30 minutes and an hour, so we'll, we'll try to keep it as, as short as possible and get straight to the point. Today's topic, we're going to talk about the number of conductors that we can have is in, in terms of volume fill for outlet boxes, device boxes, and junction boxes. We are not going to be talking about conduit bodies today. That's a separate episode. We're trying to worry about how we fill a box, whether it's a metal box or a non-metallic box. And I see a lot of students that get these calculations wrong, so we want to focus on that today. I am going to read the National Electrical Code where necessary in order to give some context to what we're talking about. Uh, So again, using that under Fair Use Acts and all the information in a publicly available document. And so again, for educational purposes only. And I want you to follow along in your code book. So we're using the 2017 edition. We're on section 16 of article 314 dealing with the number of conductors. Okay, now. When we go through this, we're going to deal with the 314.16A, and we're going to be dealing with the B. A is going to give us our box fill calculations, our general scope and rules, and then B is going to be our individual calculations for box fill for things like devices, conductors, equipment granite conductors, uh, and all those things that take up volume in a box, okay? So we're going to start from the beginning. So let's look at the code, and let's look at 314.16. And let's read it because, again, bringing context to what we're trying to do here. It says, boxes shall be of an approved, and again, I'm leaving out conduit bodies where necessary because it's not part of today's topic. It says, boxes uh, shall be of an approved size to provide free space for an enclosed conductor. In no case shall the volume of the box as calculated in 314.16a, which we'll look at in a second, be less than the fill calculations as calculated in 314.16b. So we're going to give directions about the box fill calculations, where we get these volumes, but ultimately we're going to do a calculation based on B, which is the box fill calculation procedure, if you will. Okay, we get it. Uh, It also goes on to say the minimum volume. Okay, we're not talking conduit bodies today, so I'm not going to read that one. It says the provisions of this section shall not apply to terminal housings supplied with motors or generators, okay? So, again, we're not talking about terminal housings, uh, things like that, not what we're talking about inside of the little boxes that are mounted on motors that have very limited space in them anyway that's designed for terminations. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about device boxes, outlet boxes, junction boxes. 
that you would install. All right. Now, it also reminds you that boxes uh, enclosing conductors for AWG or larger shall also comply with the provisions of 314.28. So you do have pull box applications that you have to be aware of uh, when you're dealing in four gauge and larger over on 314.28, which we have a separate video. If you've not watched our videos before, you're a podcast listener, but we have videos over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash master the NEC. Okay, I'll put a description down there. You can go to it and check out all the videos that we have. Of course, we also share our podcast there as well. All right, so that's our basic rules. We get it. We understand it. Now we have to go to A, which is the box volume calculation. And here's what the code says. And there is a change in this for 2017, so that's why we're reading it verbatim. It says the volume of a wiring enclosure, a box in other words, shall be the total volume of the assembled sections and where used the space provided by plaster rings, domed covers, extension rings, and so forth that are marked with their volume or are made from boxes, the dimensions of which are listed in table 314.16a. Now, let me dissect this. Table 314.16a is metal boxes. It deals with metal boxes. If you've ever seen a four-inch square box, okay, and you've seen the extensions, which is actually open on the back. It's the same dimensions, has the knockouts on the side. It fits on top of a four-inch square box. That is an extension, okay? That gives you more volume, and that is no different than the box that you're connecting to, okay? It just doesn't have a back on it, so it is going to add additional volumes, okay? So that's a given. It just doesn't have a bottom on it, if you will. It's open. It's see-through. You can see right through it, but it does bring the dimensions. It has a depth, it has a width, it has a length, so that brings that additional volume. That's fine. But in many cases, you'll get what's called plaster rings and domed covers that actually are stamped with an additional cubic inch. And you can add that cubic inch to whatever the box cubic inch is. Okay? So that's just basically what it's saying to you. Now, it also goes on to say, and here is where the code changed for the 2020 edition. It is grayed out in your code book. So it should be pretty evident that it is a change. It says, where the box is provided with one or more securely installed barriers, the volume shall be a portion appropriated. No, no, it says a portioned. God, I hate how they divide that word. It shall be a portion to each of the resulting spaces. Okay. And it goes on to say each barrier, if not marked with its volume, shall be considered to take up a half cubic inch if it's metal and one cubic inch if it's non-metallic, say a plastic barrier. Okay, so let's talk about this as a big scope. Let's say I have a 42-inch three-gang box. It's a 42 cubic inch, all right? Now, if it's got fixed barriers in it, that it's going to break this into three separate sections, three gangs, if you will, then I have to take up a volume for those barriers. So if it started out at 42 inches, square inches, I should say that, should make it clear, square uh, cubic inches, excuse me. God, I'm getting it all wrong. If it starts out with 42 cubic inches, then I have to account for those barriers first before I divide it up into each of its gangs, okay? And that's kind of what it means when it says apportioned, okay? A word that I had trouble getting out of my mouth. So we have to take a 42 cubic inch box, 
We're going to subtract the volume for these barriers. Then we're going to have a new cubic inch value. Then you can divide that by the number of gangs based on the dividers. And each one of those gangs get treated individually when we're doing box fill. And you'll get a reminder of that later. Okay. So that's how you kind of start. Interesting how that works. And many people get that backwards. But that's how you do it. All right. So we understand it. We get it. Let's move on. Now, you have A1 and A2. Now, A1 is dealing with standard boxes, and of course, since it references 314.16a, 314.16a, the table, is dealing with metal boxes. It only deals with metal boxes, okay? So you'll have some volumes there that are pretty generic for those metal boxes with those dimensions, and those are pretty uh, standard manufactured dimensions there for the metal boxes, okay? Of course, you do have to have guidance. Sometimes you could have a metal box that has an actual cubic inch stamped on it that is greater than what's in that table. And the code will tell you in a minute that it's okay. Use what the manufacturer stamps on it. But in lieu of that, you've got this table to give you some guidance for cubic inches. Okay? So, standard boxes. It says the volume of standard boxes that are not marked with their volume shall be given in table 314.16a. And that's metal boxes. And there you have a pretty good list of volumes that you can use. If it is marked again with the volume, utilize the volume that the manufacturer tells you in your calculation. Now, we have an A2, which is dealing with other boxes. And what is that talking about? Okay, so this is boxes that are 100 cubic inches or less, other than those that were described in table 314.16a. So there are other types of boxes that are available that are not in that table. So, again, giving you some guidance here. And it goes on to say, and the non-metallic boxes shall be durably and legibly marked by the manufacturer with their volumes. So they'll be stamped in the box. So you know what you're working with. And we'll do an example today of a box that will have plastic nail-up box that will be stamped with its cubic inch. And I'll show you how to do a box fill, keeping it very basic because it is a podcast. We don't want to make it too visual and something that you have no visualization in. Okay, so we're just trying to keep it real. All right, now, so what? About, so we're dealing with these boxes that got to be marked. Now, it also goes on to say boxes that are described in table 314.16a that have a volume that are larger than is designated in the table shall be permitted to have their volumes marked as required by this section. So what that tells me is that maybe I have a box that's listed here in this table. If I'm looking at the table, let's just say it's a, use an example, let's say it's a four by one and a half square box, okay? Uh, Four by four by one and a half deep, okay? It says it has a 21 cubic inch volume based on the minimum volume of this table. What if the manufacturer has stamped in it that it has 23 cubic inches? Then I'm going to use the manufacturer's 23 cubic inches because that's what the manufacturer, this is a minimum on this table. The manufacturers can be more um, accurate in their box fill and they might stamp that on there. In lieu of it not being stamped, then I'm going to pull from this table if it's the dimensional box that's listed in this table. Okay. All right, so that's kind of giving you a, a, a scope of what we're dealing with. All right, now let's move on. So that was A1 and A2. We know how to deal with it, whether it's a metal box or it's a non-metallic box or a box that's not marked or marked and where we're pulling from the tables. Now let's go into the actual box calculation. And that is in 314.16b. And you've got a bunch of different things here. Actually, it goes all the way down to five items, and we're going to cover each one of these, and we're going to move through them pretty quickly because, again, I realize it's a podcast. Um, The first one we get to is the actual charging statement for B, which is going to give us some direction. 
And it says, again, we're doing box fill calculations now. It says, the volume in paragraphs 314.16b1 through b5, which again is going to be each one we go through, uh, as applicable, again, some of these might not apply. You might not have hickeys or luminaire studs in your box, so obviously you wouldn't add a volume for that, okay? So where applicable shall be added together. So it's, again, this is a summation process. We're going to work through each one of them that are available uh, in our calculation. Now, it says no allowances shall be required for small fittings such as lock nuts and bushings. Uh, And again, we're not going to count for wire nuts or wire binding devices as well. Not going to have to count that as well. It says each space, and this is new for the 2017, which is kind of correlating what we did about the barriers. It says each space within a box installed with a barrier shall be calculated separately. So once we do the rules in 314.16a, and we start with an overall volume, we subtract the volume for the, the barriers, and then we apportioned it for each separate space. If it's a three-gang box, for example, three separate spaces. Once we break that down, everything that goes within each one of those gangable spaces is treated separately, okay? And that's because we've used barriers to now break this single box into a multi-gang box. You with me? All right, so that's what we've done. So we set the tone here on how we do this. Now, the first thing we're going to do is probably the most important one, and that is conductors. How we count conductors. How we do a summation of conductors. And this is how we start. It says, number one, I'm going to read this to you and I will explain it. Conductor fill. Each conductor that originates outside of the box, in other words, it comes in from a raceway or comes in from a cable, and if it terminates in the box to a device or is spliced into the box, shall be counted only once. Okay? So if I have a box, 20 cubic inch nail-up box, and I have a 14.2 coming in from the top and a 14.2 going out the bottom. Both of those are entering the box. So the black and the white count in each cable. So that's one, two, three, four. And then you'll find later that the equipment granite conductor will only count as one, even though there's two of them technically coming into the box, you only count one. So in that case, if we're just talking about a box, I've got one, two for each black, two for each white, because we got Two cables, right? Black, white, black, white. So that's four conductors. And then one for the equipment ground. So that's five conductors when it comes to volume count. Uh, And we'll learn about how to do that here in a second. Okay? So that's how you do the count. Okay? All right. Let's keep reading because it gets more complicated after that. That was a simple one. Now it says, um, each conductor that simply passes through the box without a splice or terminating means it comes in and goes straight through, which is not going to be the case with the N and B. You're going to have to splice them. But if it was a metal box with raceways coming in from the left and to the right, and let's say I have some conductors that are simply not stopping in the box, but they're passing through the box, um, then I only count them as one conductor because they're basically coming in from one side. And just because they're going out the other side, I don't have to add another volume count for the other side. It's just passing through. So that's a one conductor count. Now, there's a caveat to that. If that conductor actually they put enough wire in the box that replicates a loop or it's at least 12 inches in length because you're required by the code 300.14 to have at least six inches of conductor as it enters the box. So if it's 12 inches long, that replicates a conductor that could be cut in the middle. And now I have two six inch pieces that could be spliced. And so, again, if that's the point. Technically, I have it coming in from one side and coming in from the other. So that's two conductors, separate conductors. But if it's passing through and it's not 12 inches long, then it's just one conductor. It's just passing through. So if you cut it 
then it would be two conductors if it was 12 inches or greater in length, okay? That would be a double volume count. You're going to treat it as two conductors if that conductor passing through is 12 inches or more. Keep that in mind, okay? Now, it says the conductor fill shall be calculated using table 314.16b. A conductor, no part of which leaves the box, shall not be counted. So again, jumpers from wire nuts or binding devices over to your device, switch or receptacle, you don't have to count that conductor. That's just absorbed in the count. You don't have to worry about it. Okay, we're talking about cables and raceways that bring conductors into this box. That's what we're talking about. Okay, so as we look at this, uh, we want to remember the concepts of when we count loops. If a conductor comes in and it passes straight through, but it's 12 inches or more, it's a two-volume count. Every conductor that enters the box is a single-volume count. Okay, now what is this about this table 314.16b? Well, when I tell you it's a three a conductor count or a volume, you got to know what volume to attribute to that count. If I have five conductors, like we said, that original nail-up box where we had a 14-2 coming in the top and a 14-2 coming out the bottom, and I told you we had five conductors overall, a black and a white in the one, a black and a white in the other cable, and the equipment grounded conductor, even though there's two coming in, it counts as one, and you'll see that in a minute. Then I've got five conductors. Well, what does that do for me? Well, if I go to table 314.16b, and I know that these conductors are 14 gauge, then I come down in the first column, and then I move to the right to the cubic inch, and I see that it's 2.00 for each conductor, and that's my volume allowance. So I've got five conductors. I do that times 2.00. Then I've got 10 cubic inches of conductor property of a volume in this box. Now, if this is an 18 cubic inch box or a 20 inch cubic inch box, and you're only consuming 10 cubic inches, you're good to go. You're golden. Keep on getting it, okay? Now, that's where we're at. We're going to use that example as we move forward to talk about other things that go in the box, okay? All right, so pretty simple, pretty straightforward when it comes to the conductors in a box, okay? Now, there is an exception here that's dealing with conductors that are coming, say, from a lighting fixture or a luminaire from the doming or within the actual luminaire that mounts on top of the box. Uh, you have an allowance here, and it says exception. It says equipment granite conductors or conductors or not over four fixture wires smaller than 14 gauge or both, okay, shall be permitted to be omitted from the calculation where they enter the box from the domed luminaire or similar canopy. This could be like a ceiling fan as well with a canopy. And they terminate within the box. So you don't have to add a volume for those. And they typically are smaller fixture type wires that come in that actually will go out. And a lot of times with a swag chain, they, they come in and they're going to be smaller. Uh, that's okay. They're part of the listing of the luminaire. You don't have to add those volume counts, okay? Again, as long as they're coming in from a domed luminaire or similar type of canopy, then you don't have to add it as long as, again, they're smaller than 14 and they're um, uh, not over four fixture wires entering in or the equipment grounds that come in from those fixtures as well. You don't have to add any additional volume counts. So we're really talking about the raceways or cables that are coming into the box, okay? That's what we're talking about. Not things that typically originate from the luminaire or the fan or whatever that might mount to the box, okay? So that's kind of the exception. Just keep it in mind when you're dealing with it. Uh, on exams, for example, those that are preparing for exams, probably not going to come up that way, but it could be a question they're asking you about volume, 
and they throw in there a luminaire with fixture, you know, conductors coming in, and they're trying to throw you a maybe. Okay, all right. So keeping keeping that in mind, uh, will I will remind you that the volume allowance does go down to sixteen and eighteen. So if you were dealing with more than four fixture wires, then remember you're going to have to take into account this application. All right. So again, you have the exception, but it does give you some limitations on the exception. Just be aware of that exception. Now let's move on to cable clamps. Now cable clamps, we're not talking about the clamps that are on the outside of the box, okay? So you have a cable that connects to a connector that goes to the box and then inside the box you have a lock nut. We already know that it says you don't count the lock nuts or the snap-in type. You don't account for that volume. However, many metal boxes for use in non-metallic sheet cable device boxes have internal built-in clamps. And this is what clamps onto the NMB as it enters into the box, Okay, and if that's the case, again, we all know that you're going to have a quarter of an inch uh, of the insulation, excuse me, of the sheathing, not insulation, the sheathing into the box past the clamp because the clamp, you don't want it to clamp down on the insulated conductors and that would be a bad thing. So it comes into the box. Okay, how do you account for this clamps? Well, even if I have a box that might have, let's say it's a device box and I have a clamp at the top and a clamp at the bottom inside the box, um, you don't add all the clamps up. You just take one volume count for the clamp, and that's it. Try to keep it simple. It's a volume count. Now, what is the volume count? It's based on the largest conductor entering the box. Okay, so if cables are all 14.2, then 14 is the largest conductor. If I had a box, for example, that had 14 and 12 coming in, then 12 would be the largest. So what does the code say? Here's what it says. All right, clamp fill. It says where one or more internal cable clamps whether factory or field supplied, are present in a box, a single volume allowance in accordance with table 314.16b, again, that's to give you the the cubic inch value, uh, shall be made based on the largest conductor present. So again, if I have 14s and 12s in a box, I'm going to use 12s. That's the largest conductor in there. Um, Now, it says no allowance shall be required for a cable connector with its clamp mechanism outside of the box. So typically, uh, the clamps that go outside of the box and simply threaded portion goes through a knockout and you have a, a lock nut on it, that's an outside mechanism. That's outside. The, the snap-in ones that you see, the plastic ones, that's outside of it. Even the little ones that snap into the hole, uh, it's done from the outside. That doesn't really take up any volume, so there's nothing to to add for because of the clamp. Now, When the clamp is inside the box, whether it's factory or installed in the field in the box, then that does take a volume count. And again, it's simply a single volume count. So if we were doing this and you have 14 and 12s in the box, a 14-2 and a 12-2 entering the box, and you're just going to go look and see what's the largest, that's 12-gauge. So I'm going to go to table 314-16B. 12-gauge has a 2.25 volume count. So remember, we're doing a summation here. So we already counted our conductors. Now we moved on to the cable clamps. And I would just add it as a, an additional 12 gauge. But if I'm doing based on cubic inch, then I'm going to add an additional 2.25 to my summation calculation. Okay. All right. So that's what you would do. Now, even though I've got more than one clamp in there, I only have to take one volume and that's it. Doesn't matter that I have more than one clamp in there. Okay. All right. So that's your, your general rule and, and how you would apply that. Okay, also, I should tell you that if I have a clamp assembly, 
that in itself has a cable termination and a cable conductor connection, and it's listed and marked for use, for example, with a non-metallic box, although it might be a cable assembly that's not non-metallic. If a conductor originates on that fitting assembly, okay, then that cable uh, clamp assembly, then it originates there, then that is going to be something that we have to add a volume count. We just treat it like it's a, a conductor that entered the box from a raceway or cable, even though it originates on the cable assembly. Uh, very rare when you deal with that, but you're going to have to take into account for that, okay? But other than that, pretty much clamps count is one volume, and that's it, okay? Um, let's say, next, let's move on to supporting fittings. This is B3. Now, what are we talking about this? Now, in luminaires, and sometimes you have what's called a support stud or luminaire stud in the middle. That's a threaded stud that goes all the way through the box. Uh, and if it goes all the way through the box, it actually takes up volume. So you have to account for the volume. In some cases, you'll have what's called a, uh, it's well, the code says that it's a luminaire stud or a hickey. Uh, two different types of things. A stud goes through it. It's usually a threaded stud. And then, of course, you have a hickey, which is usually a U-shaped device that actually can extend the stud, or it's mounted up into the, the box itself that you would screw something into, thread it into, and it's a supporting component. The key thing is here, it takes up volume. So what does the code say about this volume? It says, where one or more luminaire studs or hickeys are pre present in a box, a single volume allowance is in accordance with table 314.16b, we've learned what that is, shall be made for each type of fitting based on the largest conductor present in the box. So if I have a luminaire stud and a hickey, then each of them get one volume count. If I just have a hickey, it gets one volume count based on what? The largest conductor in the box. So if I had 14s and 12s in a box, I'm going to use the 12s. And then what do I do? I go to table 314.16b, go down, find 12 gauge, come over. That hickey or that stud accounts for 2.25 cubic inch of volume. And I simply add it to my calculation, my summation that I'm doing here, okay? If I'm trying to do a full calculation, all right? Pretty simple, right? One volume count based on the largest conductor in the box. Okay, uh, the next one is dealing with devices. So this is the second most important other than conductors that I deal with, and this is devices that are going into a box. So here is what the code says. For each yoke or strap containing one or more devices, that would be a simplex receptacle, a switch, a duplex receptacle, which is two receptacles on one strap. Okay, so for each yoke, okay, so this is based on yoke or strap containing one or more devices or equipment, a double volume allowance in accordance with table 314.16b shall be made for each yoke or strap based on the largest conductor that is connected to the device or equipment supported by that yoke or strap. So let's simplify it. If I have a two-gang box and I've got a 14 and a 12 coming in, and as the to the switch, it's going to get the 14 gauge, and to the receptacle, it's going to get the 12 gauge. Okay. So the device for the switch is going to be the volume count for a 14 gauge is 2.00, but since it gets a double volume, then I take the 2.00 times two. So it's a 4.00 cubic inch volume count for the switch. Now for the receptacle, it's exactly the same way, but since 12 gauge is going to it, 
that would be 2.25, which is your single volume count, times 2, because it's a double volume count, okay? So that's 2.25, and you're going to do that times 2. And so 2.25 times 2 equals a 4.5 volume count, cubic inch. And you write that to your summation, and you're going to add that to the conductors or your clamps or everything that you're doing, okay? So that's pretty much straightforward. If it's a two-gang box and I have a switch and a receptacle, again, each one of those devices get a double volume allowance based on the size of the conductors that terminate to it, okay, individually. You with me? All right. So what if I have a need for a device or a piece of equipment that's going to require a box that is wider than a single two-inch device box, okay? So it's got to be wider. And let's say the device or the equipment needs not just one gang, but two gangs for its mounting purposes, okay? Well, if that's the case, then here's what the code says. It says, a device or utilization equipment, something that might be mounted in the box, um, wider than a single two-inch device, uh, yes, hold on, wider than a single two-inch device box as described in three table 314.16a shall have double volume allowances provided for each gang required for mounting. So if I have a two, if I, if I have to go to a two-gang box in order to be able to get this device in there and I need both the, the, the mounting positions in both the, the, the two gangs, each single gang, then I'm going to take a double volume for each gang. So in this case, let's say it was a device or a piece of equipment that's going to utilize a two-gang box, and I need uh, both of the mounting holes on both sides as if I was putting two devices in there. Okay, so that would be a double volume. So again, if it was 12-gauge, let's say, going to the devices, then it would be 2.25, okay? And again, it's a double volume allowance per gang. So do that times two is 4.5 for the one gang. And it would be 4.5 for the other gang, okay? Which comes up to a total of 9 cubic inches because I needed the mounting positions on both of the gangs in that two-gang box. You with me? Okay. Now, if it's a two-gang box or even I'm putting this device in a three-gang box, but I'm only using one of the mounting sets of holes for this that would go in, let's say, one of the gangs, then I only have the double volume for that one gang because I'm not using the other mounting holes. You with me? I've still got plenty of space in there. I'm not taking up that gang, if you will, okay? So kind of how you would do that. And so, again, just remember that, that if you're, something is a device or piece of equipment that needs a box that's wider than two inches, that every mountable space that I would terminate it in is going to get a double volume allowance as if I was putting a device in that space, okay? Pretty simple concept to deal with, all right? Now, uh, let's see, what's going on to the next one? Okay, now we're going to get to the, the equipment grounding conductor. And this is where I talked about, this was a change for the 2020, although we're looking at the 2017 code. So again, we're not going to talk about the change, which, uh, which again, I guess I could make it very simple. Anytime you have more than four equipment grounding conductors, you're now going to take each additional equipment grounding conductor based on what their cubic inch is on table 314.16b. You're going to... Take this value, if it was a 14 gauge, for example, you would take 2.00 and you're going to do this times 0.1, uh, 0.25 
and that gives you a 0.5. That is a quarter of, of the volume, and that is an additional quarter volume allowance that you're going to add to the actual calculation, okay? For each conductor, once you exceed four, all right? Now, in the 2017 code, I don't have to do that. It's, it's not a, a, an issue that I'm dealing with, okay? So, in the 2017 code, I am just going to take all of the equipment grounded conductors and treat them as one. Now, if I have an isolated ground in there, then I'm going to treat that separately, and that gets its own volume count, okay? But when they're just general equipment grounding conductors, then they're not isolated ground that's covered in 251.46D, then they're just equipment grounding conductors, then I'm going to take them all. I can add them up, but it doesn't matter. They all count as one for this application. So let me read you what it says for the equipment grounds. It says, and again, you're going to base this on the largest equipment grounding conductor it's in the box so if you have 14s and 12s in a box and you're going to take one volume allowance for the equipment ground you're going to use a 12 because it is the largest scenario not the 14 okay because you're only taking one volume you want to go with the largest that's available here's what it says it says where one or more equipment grounding conductors or equipment bonding jumpers uh, enter a box a single Volume allowance in accordance with table 314.16b, and again, that's how you pick the cubic inch based on the conductors that are in the box, shall be made based on the largest equipment grounding conductor or equipment bonding jumper that is in the box. Where an additional set of equipment grounding conductors as permitted in 250.146d, for example, isolated ground, is present in the box, an additional volume allowance shall be made based on the largest equipment grounding conductor in the additional set, and that additional set would be the additional isolated grounds that you're adding to the box, okay, which act differently than the required equipment grounding conductor, okay? Whole different topic, but you get it, all right? So, if I have five cables coming in, and they all have equipment grounding conductors, and I'm counting all the ungrounded and grounded conductors, when I get to the equipment grounding conductor, it doesn't matter how many's in there. If they're all equipment grounding conductors, they count as one, and it's based on the largest in the box. You with me? Okay, and to be extreme, for example, if I had a cable with 8-gauge coming in, and I had a cable with 14-gauge coming in, and I have equipment grounding conductors in both, when I'm going to do my volume, I'm going to use the 8-gauge because that is the larger of the two. You with me? That's the concept. That's an extreme example, but there you go. You have to use the largest that's in the box, okay? Uh, And again, if I had an isolated ground in there, then I treat that separately based on the largest isolated ground that's in the box. And I would add that volume to the count. And where do I get the cubic inch volumes? Table 314.16B. That's where I get the volume. Okay, pretty simple, straightforward concept when we're doing it. All right. So now let me do a couple box fill examples and then we can just kind of close this out because I think you get it. It's pretty simple concept. Let's say I have a... Metal box, it's a device box. It's going to be a three inches by two inches by three and a half inches. So uh, it's going to be the length and the width are three inches by two and the depth is three and a half. So it's a metal box. This is a standard box. So we would look at to find out what our cubic inch is unless it was stamped in the box. We're going to go to table 31416A because it's a metal box and it does have internal clamps. So just kind of keep that in mind. So I go down to the vice boxes. I'm looking for these generic sizes, and I see there's a three by two by three and a half. Okay, we got it. And what does that say, device box? And when we look under the minimum volume, because let's assume nothing's stamped in there, it says it can fill it up to 18 
cubic inches. Perfect. We're good to go. All right, now I'm going to show you two ways to do this. One way is if all the conductors in that box are the same size. And then, of course, we'll look at what happens if they're not the same size. And we'll show you how you can just simply pull from this table, 31416A, or how you might do it if you actually calculate the actual volume allowance based on 31416B. We'll look at both ways. All right, so let's assume we have this metal box. It's a device box, has built-in clamps, uh, and you're coming in with a non-metallic sheath cable coming into the top. And so what we've got is a 14-2 and a 14-2. What do we have in a 14-2? We have a black, we have a white, and we have an equipment ground. Each one of these have this. They're identical. They come into the box. All right, so when we're doing a volume count, and we're going to have a receptacle in there, by the way. We're going to put a receptacle in there. So here's all the things we got. So let's kind of add the conductors first when dealing with the cables. Remembering that equipment grounds all count as one. Each individual conductor that enters the box counts as one volume, okay? And remember that a clamp counts as one volume. And remember that a device counts as a double volume. Any pigtails do not count. Any wire nuts do not count, okay? Any bonding jumpers do not count in this summation. So let's start with the first 14-2. We have a black, we have a white, and we have an equipment ground. So that's one two, three. The next we have is the other 14-2 that has a black, that has a white, and then we don't have to account for the equipment ground because we already took care of that. So we had one, two, three, and then we add the other cable, four and five. So we've got five conductors so far in their 14 gauge. Now we get to move to the clamp. The clamp has a one volume allowance. We've learned that. Based on what? The largest conductor that's in the box. What's the conductors? 14 gauge. So it is added to that. And so if we treat that clamp as a conductor, we add it to our list. And now we have six theoretical conductors in the box. What's next? We're moving on to that device. The device is a double volume count based on the size of the conductors that are terminated to it. It's 14 gauge. That's what we're bringing to the box. So we've learned that 14 gauge is 2.00 volume. But as far as conductors... You treat a device as if it was two conductors. So we had six. Now we're adding the two conductors that make up the device. And now that's six, seven, eight. So eight conductors overall is what we'll use in our calculation. Now, keep in mind, physically conductors, there's not eight physical conductors in here. Okay? There's, there's five physical conductors in here. There's the two blacks, the two whites, and the one that's accounting for the equipment ground. But in reality, there's really six because there's two equipment grounds coming in. But remember, we only count one, okay? It's the clamp that replicates a single, and it's the device that replicates a double, which we're, we're actually treating as conductors. Now, why would we do this? Well, if they're all the same size, I can go back to that table 314.16a, and that's where you see the little place on the right that says maximum number of conductors. To use this, we have to turn the device into conductor counts. We have to turn the clamps into conductor counts. And like we said, we had eight conductors when we did that. So here we go to the right and we see the 18 cubic inch and then we go to the column that deals with 14 and it says that I can have a maximum of nine conductors. Well, we have eight conductors. Again, taking a device as two conductors, a clamp as one conductor, treating all the equipment grounds as one conductor. And then of course we have the blacks and the whites coming in from the two cables. So we had eight. We're perfectly fine, and we can pull straight from this table, and we can keep rocking 
We don't have to worry about it. And so that's how you can use this table. Okay, now this doesn't work when we have multiple sizes coming into a box. So let's kind of work one of those. So now let's say that we have a two gang box and it's a two gang metal box and it has internal clamps. It's some metal. I like using the metal. Keep it simple. Uh, and we'll do a, we'll do a non-metallic one as well, but we kind of kind of covered that in our original example. So we've got a 14-2 coming in, and we've got a two 12-2s coming in. Okay, so we've got a 14-2 coming in, and we've got a two 12-2 coming in. Okay, so it's a double gang box. Now, on the left side, again, what we've got is simply a switch because it's a switch leg. That's it. It's just coming down, single pole switch coming down. On the white conductor, we're allowed to re-identify it, and it's going back up on the black. All that's, you know, coming, dropping down, let's say, from a luminaire where the source is, okay? That's a pretty simple one. That's why we have that coming in. Okay. So we've got that, and, of course, it has an equipment ground with it and everything, and so good to go. We're, we're done. All right, for that. Okay, next. Let's talk about these 12-2s coming in. So basically what that is, that's basically, let's say this is probably in a kitchen on a counter and I've got the light for, let's say, a recess can. It's you know, over the sink and it's coming in, dropping down and going back up. That's what the switch leg is. That's why it's 14 gauge for the switch. And of course, with the receptacles, same box, I've got a loop in of 12.2 NMB. And then, of course, it's looping out to the next receptacle. Makes sense, right? All right. So two gang box. Now, first thing we want to do is we have to find what is the volume of this two gang box. Okay, so it is a three by two by three and a half inch device box. But they're ganged together. Okay, so it's two separate boxes, single boxes that are bought together. So they're gangable. So I'm taking a three inch by two inch by three and a half deep and I'm ganging it with another three by two by three and a half. Okay, so this is a good example of me taking individual uh, device boxes and ganging them together. Okay. So it was 18 cubic inch for one of them and I'm ganging them together. So now I've got a total of 36 cubic inches to work with. Okay. So that's a good example of gangable device boxes. Okay. All right. So we've kind of done that. So let's start working it out. So we know what we've got and we utilize standard boxes, again, gangable device boxes. And so we've got total of 36 cubic inches to work with. All right. Now, Let's look what we got coming into this box. All right, so first things first. Let's deal with the smaller and move our way up. We have a 14-2. So I've got, in this case, I've got a black and I got a white. So that is two 14s that are coming in. They originate outside the box for that. So that's two. So those are 2.0 volume based on 314.16b each, okay? So because I've got two of them, a black and a white coming in, I just add them together. That's four cubic inches. Pretty simple. Right, we're going to skip the equipment grounds right now. We're just going to look at the grounded and ungrounded conductors and work our way through this. Now, when it comes to the 12 twos, what do we got? We have two cables. We have a black and a white in each one. So that is four conductors that are coming, originating from outside of the box, coming into the box. So that is four 12s. And if we go to table 314.16b, we see that each one of those 12s has a volume of 2.25. So we're going to do 2.25 times four because we have four of them coming in. So that is 9.0 cubic inches. So you, you write that down. Next thing we're going to deal with, we're going to save the, we're going to kind of go in order as how we did it in our explanation. We'll kind of just go through each one of them. The next we're talking about the internal clamps. Now there is internal clamps. 
Uh, and there's actually four of them in here, but we only have to count them as one. So again, what's the largest conductor that's in this box? It's a 12 gauge. So we have one volume based on one 12 wire, because that's what it says to do. You take one volume allowance. So the internal clamp doesn't matter if there's more than one, doesn't matter. It's 2.25 cubic inches for that one 12 conductor. And that's what the volume was. So you add that to the list. So we had four cubic inches, nine cubic inches. Now we're adding a 2.25 for that one internal clamp. Makes sense, right? Okay. Next thing we're going to do. Now let's address these devices. Now the switch is connected to 14 gauge. The receptacle is connected to 12 gauge. So we treat each one separately. So let's talk about the switch. Since it's 14 gauge, remember what the code said? It said a double volume allowance based on the size of the conductor to the device. It's 14 gauge. We know that 14 gauge is 2.0 cubic inch based on table 31416B. So what are we going to do? You take the 2.0 and you do a double volume allowance. And that means it's 2.0 times 2. It's 4.0. That takes care of your 14s for that and that device and you add it to your list. So right now we have 4.0, 9.0, 2.25, and now we're adding 4.0 for that device. Now we got to deal with the receptacle, the other device. Same concept. It's a double volume allowance based on the size of the conductor that's terminated to it and its associated volume. It's a 12 gauge. So it's 2.25, again, based on table 314.16b. So it's 2.25 times what? The double allowance, two. That becomes four. 4.5 cubic inches. So we're just adding that to our list. So to this point, we have a 4.0, 9.0, 2.25, 4.0, and a 4.5 cubic inch. Now and only then do we deal with the equipment grounding conductor. Remember, we can take them all and it only counts as one, but you have to use the largest. In this case, the largest one in there is the 12 gauge. So I take the one 12 gauge equivalents and get its volume, which is 2.25 for 12. We've established that. And I simply add that to my list. So when you add these all up and we'll do it, you've got 4.0 plus 9.0 plus 2.25 plus 4.0 plus 4.5 plus 2.25 equals 26 cubic inches. Now remember, this box had 36 available cubic inches. So we are perfectly fine. And again, if we add an additional cable to this box, all we have to do is take whatever our calculation was for 26 cubic inches, and each additional cable, if we added another cable, let's say for whatever reason, somebody comes along and says, oh, I want to drop a 14.2 out of this bad smamma jamma. Okay, What are we doing? We don't have to increase any more for the equipment ground, but we have to take into account the additional black and white that gets added in. So in this case, if it was 26 cubic inches um, is what we calculated out, we now just need to add the two additional 14s, which is going to add an additional 4.0. So I would do 26 plus 4.0, which again is 2.0 for each conductor, and we're only adding one black and one white. So at that point, it jumps it from 26 up to 30. We're still okay. We're okay to add an additional uh, 14.2 to this box, okay? And to be honest with you, I could add another 14.2 if I wanted, and I still would not exceed the 36 cubic inches for this box, okay? So that's kind of how you do it. That was kind of an example. Um, 
Just remember with the nail-up boxes, they're typically non-metallic. They're going to have their cubic inches marked in the box. Uh, metal boxes can have it marked if it's higher than what's given in the table 31416A. Uh, if it's not marked and it's a standardized boxing or gangable device boxes, you want to use the values that are in 31416A to do that. Uh, and just kind of walk yourself through it. Remember, this doesn't get overly complicated. Uh, and just remember, and now how can I equate this to an example, let's say, is a metal box um, that has raceways. Just remember, treat each entry separately. And anytime I have conductors that are passing straight through it, and as long as they're not longer, then, then they have no splice, right? They're passing through. And as long as the, the from the point it enters to the point that leaves through the box is not more than 12 inches, then it only counts as one conductor. If it is 12 inches or longer, then it counts as two conductors because conceivably somebody could cut it and now it's spliced and now it's actually theoretically coming in from two different raceway entries. You with me? So just kind of keep those things in mind. Remember, lock nuts don't count. Fittings that are outside of the box don't count. Wire nuts do not count. Okay? So all those things that you want to remember in a box, clamps inside it. Remember that extension rings will have a volume marked on it that you can add to the summation of your box is cubic inch value. Um, all those type of things come into play. Uh, and just keep that in mind as you're doing a box fill calculation. Hopefully you got something out of that. Uh, and then, so, again, thanks for taking the time with me. Uh, hopefully you got a little bit more out of box fill, simplified understanding. If you have any questions, you can always email me at info, I-N-F-O, at masterthenec.com. Or you can just go to our websites, which is masterthenec.com or electricalcodeacademy.com, and you'll see a Contact Us button. Feel free to click the Contact Us button, and you can send us an email that way. We'd be more than happy to answer any of your questions. Till next time, folks, stay safe. God bless. You've been listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul 